Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Which means that homicide and murder is the exact antithesis for why Jesus came. And if homicide and murder happens at the doorsteps of the church, that means the devil ain't scared of us no more. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm saddened, but I'm insulted that the devil don't think too much about us. And that's got to change. We're supposed to strike fear in the devil's heart. When we wake up, when we show up, the devil ought to be shaking in his boots. When the people of God speak to issues, the devil ought to take notice. And we've got to change this, y'all. I don't know everything that we're going to do, but I promise you this, we're going to do something. And it's going to start this week. We're not going to study it. We don't need to study it. We're not going to debate it. We're not going to vote on it. We're not going to see who in agreement with it. We just going to do it because we are the church. And I'm insulted when the devil don't think that much of us. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so when the text message goes out, make room on your calendar and join me. When you get the message on Facebook, Share it and send it to your neighbors and show up. Because this got to stop, y'all. I say this got to stop, y'all. And we can't just go on having church like ain't nothing happened. We ought to be disturbed right now. Your, your heart ought to be angry right now that, that this could happen on our watch, on our day of worship. But we're going to do something. We're going to do something. And you're going to hear about it this week. Share it and show up. That's all I ask. Share it and show up. Amen. Amen. Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So let's act like it. Amen. Now to that extent, we do have some more salt and light here this morning. I want to bring to you Nasambi Lambright, uh, who's a part of the Better Together Commission. You remember that our Jackson Public Schools was in danger some months ago of being taken over by the state. That was averted uh, with this Better Together Commission that uh, uh, Governor uh, Bryant, along with the Kellogg Foundation um, and the city of Jackson, uh, helped to put together. There's a survey that they're going to be doing. I've allowed them to uh, set up in the back and as well uh, our Sunday school superintendent We're going to give you a few minutes at the close of the Sunday school hour to participate in the survey But Nasambi, if you would take just a minute Tell us what the survey is why it's necessary that we do this and we'll make sure that that happens uh, at the conclusion of the services and during Sunday school Nasambi. 
you, Reverend Harrington, for inviting us out. It's always a pleasure to come and visit with you here at Cade Chapel. Also, thank you for hosting one of the community meetings a couple of weeks ago to talk about the Jackson Public School District and improvements that we need to make. Um, we know that we're the only change that's going to happen is going to happen through us in the community. And we know that we've been, we've gone through a lot of surveys, we've participated in a lot of meetings. If you feel like me, you're tired of going to meetings. You're tired of filling out surveys. There's a lot of fatigue around it, but we need you to do this one last time. Um, we need our voices heard in the city of Jackson. We want to make sure that the plan that's developed to improve the district comes from the community. So we want to make sure that if someone, if you're a Jackson resident, you have to be a Jackson resident, and it, you, it doesn't matter if you have children in the district or not. If you're a Jackson resident and someone has not come to your home and knocked on your door for the survey, many of you may have received a visitor um, in a Better Together, a gray Better Together Commission t-shirt uh, with the survey. But if you did not receive that visit, please come to the back and complete that survey. And again, thank you so much, Kay Chapel, for always welcoming us um, here in, in your church. And I'll be glad to participate in whatever action takes place with the violence in, in our community because Amen. all of this goes hand in hand. Thank God you very you. much. God bless you. Thank you. Brother Thiebman, why don't you come as you're coming back. Again, those surveys will be made available in the fellowship hall at the conclusion of this service. Also, for our uh, students for Sunday school, those surveys will be uh, distributed during the Sunday school hour. You may fill them out. I'm told it's only about a two-minute survey. Is that right? Only about two minutes, so you can do that very quickly. Brother Thiebman. Very, very important. Uh, Sister Campbell, where are you? Come on down, quickly. Three minutes max. <laughs> thank you. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kimalon Campbell. I want to thank Pastor Buckley for allowing me the opportunity to address you all this morning. I am a candidate for Hines County Circuit Court Judge, Subdistrict 2. I'm a member of Shekinah Glory Baptist Church. I'm originally from the Mississippi Delta, raised by my phenomenal mother and my grandmothers, who I thought were super women. They instilled in me principles, values, and a great deal of love to create the woman that I am today. I've practiced law for 20 years. I began my legal career as a law clerk for Judge James Graves. I went on to become a legislative attorney for the Mississippi House of Representatives. I was an assistant public defender for Hines County. I also served as a domestic violence attorney for the women of the Choctaw Indian Reservation, and I was a managing attorney for Disability Rights Mississippi. I am currently an assistant district attorney here in Hines County for going on nine years now. My trial work centers around the prosecution of murders, armed robberies, and armed carjackings. I have dedicated my entire career to public service. I bring to the table a wealth of qualifications that qualify me for this position. Dr. King once said, you must have in your life's blueprint the determination for excellence. I am a perfectionist, and I've always had in my life's blueprint the determination for excellence. If elected, I bring to the table character because the four mothers who raised me taught me to always amplify the very best. 
respect because I was taught that every individual, regardless of their background, deserves to be treated with the utmost dignity and passion because I am extremely passionate about the law and doing what's right. It is the essence of who I am. I ask for your vote and your support on November the 6th, and I will leave you with Proverbs 13, 12, which says that when hope is deferred, uh, the heart is sick, but when dreams come true, there is life and abundant joy. May you all be blessed with tremendous life and abundant joy. Thank you. I was watching. <laughs> We're going to ask now that we prepared to give as we have been so blessed. And just remember, during early morning service, we only do one offering, so we ask that you give as you have been so blessed. We have the spoken word at this time, after which the choir and the ushers will give us all the chance to participate in the worship service by giving. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according to as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, cheerful giver. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise, glory, and honor to God. Amen. That's just quiet. Come on. 
said, Jesus is, Jesus is my mountain. I know that Jesus is my mountain. Y'all, let's have church. I'm going where I'm going where one of these old mornings you're gonna look for me and I'll be gone. day will be Sunday. The Sabbath would have no end. No more dying over there. Every day will be Sunday. Mm, I'm going well. I'm going well. Chilling break the bread and feed his sheep. We thank you for all things, Master. In your Son, Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Choir is going to come to us with the final selection for the morning. Wonderful time that you can just meditate and pray and ask God to fix you to be receptive of the message that's coming from our pastor. Choir. Real, real brief, real quick, if y'all indulge me for a minute. Uh, God's been good. He's been blessing me. Um, he's been talking to me a little bit. Um, on Wednesday, my wife and I, we was at the gym. And uh, I said, I'm going I'm to I'm try a little something. I'm going to boost my weight up. I'm going to try a little extra on the bench press. And uh, she, she had just got off a machine. And, uh, she, and she was looking and said, what you doing, baby? I said, well, I'm going to try something else. I just need somebody to, to spot me. She said, well, I'll spot you. She said, baby, I trust you. I love you, but this, it's a little, this is a little heavy. So um, by that time, a, a, a big, big old swole dude walked by. I said, I said hey, man, I said, you'll spot me. He said, I got you. And uh, he got behind me, and, uh, and uh, he said, how many you trying to do? I said, I'm really just trying to get one. I ain't never did it before. And uh, so, so, I, uh, so I, I got it off, and I, I hit it one time real easy, and it, it came back down. And the second time, had a little resistance, but I got it up, and then I racked it up. And, uh, and when I got up, he said, you know you could have did, did some more. 
I said, I said, I don't know. He said, you could have did some more. He said, I'm here with you. I got you. I'm not going to let the weight come down on you and hurt you. And I said, okay, I, I appreciate that. Well, I'll, I'll do some extra next time. And, uh, but after he said that, it, it stuck with me. It's been sticking with me all week. It's the same thing that Reverend Buckley been talking about. It's the same thing that God already told us that he's with us. He won't let nothing hurt us. He won't let the weight crush us and come down on us. So if we, if we can just listen to him and, and trust in him, a lot of times we let ourselves get in the way and we cut ourselves short to where there's a lot more that we could do. Whether it's on the job in our relationship, there's a lot more that we could do if we just trust in God and give it to God. And, and what we're about to sing right now is, is just a, a testimony of what God has done for us so that we need to give it back to him and trust him and be in him so that we can exceed and do what we're supposed to do. I'm ready now. You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping so you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for So you sacrificed your life So I could be free So I could be whole So I could tell everyone I know You thought I was worth saving So you came Sacrifice. You thought I would be dying for. You sacrificed your life so I could be free, so I could be whole, so I could tell everyone I know. You thought I was worth saving. So you came and changed my life. Yeah. 
You thought I was worth saving So you came and changed my life You thought I was worth keeping So you cleaned me up inside You thought I was to die for You thought I was to die for You thought I was to die for You sacrificed your life So I could be free My, my. my God. My God. My God. He did all of that so I could be free. Did all of that so I could be and so you could be free. He did all of that. Anybody thankful this morning? He thought you would have died for. He, he thought you were worth saving. He, 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 he thought you were worth all of that. And he did all of that. So we would be free. What a mighty God. What a wonderful God. My God, I feel the presence of the Lord in this house today. Amen, amen. God bless you. I feel like preaching. John chapter 13, verse number one, reads as follows. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. That's enough right there. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk from the subject this morning, how to love like Jesus. How to love like Jesus. When we talk about faith, and we've been talking about faith all this year, so greater faith how to grow in our faith, how to live out our faith, how to practice our faith. And, and when we talk about faith, there are a lot of associations that we make with faith. We think about faith that it takes to believe for the impossible. 
kind of faith that Abraham had when he believed that even in his old age, God was going to bless he and his wife Sarah with a child. We think about faith, the kind of faith that it takes to give. Like that widow woman gave her last little meal and her last little oil and made a cake for the prophet. And she didn't even know where her next meal was coming from. Faith. We, we think about faith to do incredible things. Like Gideon defeating a, a larger and a more powerful army with only 300 men. Think about faith. Faith that obeys radical instructions like Moses walking forward into the Red Sea. We, we think about faith that dares to take risks with God. Faith that steps out into the unknown. And faith that trusts in the face of the uncertain. But rarely do we make the association between faith and love. But when it comes... To Christian faith, hear me and hear me well, love is the primary characteristic. Jesus said this, by this men will know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love. One for another. Love then is the principal attribute that qualifies and quantifies our faith as Christians. Love is to be the distinguishing mark of our faith. Love is the high and holy calling to which every believer has been called. Don't need you telling me how much you study God's word. You don't have love. Don't tell me how long you've been saved. You don't have love. Don't tell me how faithful you are in your giving and in your attendance and with your ministry or your community service. If you don't have love, Paul said you're just tinkling brass and sounding cymbal. In fact, Paul said you could have faith to move mountains. But if you don't have love, what good is it? Try as you might. But as a Christian, you cannot get around the Lord's mandate to love. Faith in Christ, in fact, requires that you practice, model, and extend genuine love. And not this, not this worldly kind of love that's more fashionable than it is substantive. Not this manufactured kind of love that we see on reality TV like 90 Day Fiance or The Bachelor. Not this soap opera kind of love that changes with each season or sometimes each episode. But our standard bearer for love is that which was demonstrated by Jesus Christ himself. And if we're going to be real in our faith, if we're going to be authentic about our discipleship, if we're going to be serious about being believers, then we've got to get this business of loving one another right. Because most Christians, most Christians are missing the boat when it comes to loving one another. You ain't got to say amen, I'm telling the truth. I say most Christians are missing the boat when it comes 
to this idea and this mandate of loving one another. I mean, listen, we, we know how to be civil toward one another. We know how to be cordial with each other. We know how to tolerate. We know how to put up with. We know how to get along with most folk. We know how to make friends. We know how to maintain relationships. We know how to manage issues as not to offend people. But Jesus didn't say anything about that. He said, love one another. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Which means that Jesus requires more from those of us who claim to follow him. And if we're going to get this love business right, then we must look to Jesus who the Bible says is the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, he wrote the book when it comes to what love looks like. And this text helps us then to discover something about how Jesus loved. This text reveals something about what Jesus did and how Jesus behaved uh, in order to communicate his love for each other, for his disciples. And if we heed the lessons of this text, this text, we will find that what we've been passing off to others as love, requires from us a deeper commitment and a greater effort if we're going to love in the manner and after the model of Jesus. I know you think you're loving folk. I'm going to show you you got room to grow in how much you think you love. Help me somebody. You're going to have to love harder than you've been loving. You're going to have to give more than you've been giving. You're going to have to dig deeper than you've been digging. You're going to have to reach further than you've been reaching. You're going to have to open your heart and your arms wider than you have been opening them. And here is how this text shows us. The first thing the text offers to us is the idea that Jesus loved on purpose. He loved on purpose. Watch it in the text. Opens up, it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come. The love that Jesus had for his disciples was purposeful love. It was love full of intention. When he finished loving them, he wanted them to be better. It was purposeful. When he finished with them, he wanted their lives to be changed. It was purposeful. He wanted them to learn something of love's depths and love's reach and love's extent. He wanted them to understand how far love goes, how much love forgives how long love lasts how tender love touches and how unrelenting love really is and when he was finished loving on them they had a new understanding of what love meant what love does and how love acts loving on purpose means that the love we give then is with thought and with intention. The love we share should be intentionally shared. 
Your love, hear me, ought to take people somewhere they haven't been. Your love ought to take them somewhere they have yet to experience in their own faith and in their own life. And when you finish loving on them, they ought to be left saying, I want to love like that. Your love ought to open up a new dimension, a new reality of what love does. What love feels like, what love looks like. And we see it in the text when Jesus says to him, after he's finished loving on them, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, the love that he had been showing and giving was purposeful. It was intended to teach them what love looked like and for them to then share that love with each other. It was meant to give visible evidence to verbal sentiments so that they would not hide behind their words in their own relationships, but that they would live their love out in high definition. Your love ought to be such that when you're finished, the person that you've been loving is a better person. The love that you give should be so outstanding and remarkable that it can challenge people to change, inspire people to grow, and guide people to the reality of the truth of God's love. The way I love you ought to reflect how God loves you. The way I love you ought to resemble how God loves you. And our love for one another should provide the world a visible demonstration of God's love for the world. It's purposeful so that others might be attracted and then saved. Purposeful so that others might know that there's something real about our faith. It's purposeful so that when others see how we operate, the authenticity of our love for each other is so attractive that they want it too. Loving on purpose should be made more possible. In light of the fact, hear me, that we have a limited amount of time to love each other. I'm going to say that again. Your love ought to be more purposeful when you think about you don't have all the time in the world to do it. Listen to the text of 10. It's in the text. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, Jesus knew that he had a limited amount of time with his disciples. He understood that there were only so many opportunities that he had with them, only so many moments that he would share with them, only so much time that he had been promised for them. As such, he had to be purposeful about demonstrating his love, intentional about how he loved them and what he taught them through his love. And he knew when his time was come that that was all the time he had been given. Hear me. If you're going to love like Jesus, you must first love with the realization that your time to love is limited. You don't have forever to love people who you're supposed to be loving right now. Y'all ain't going to talk to me. You don't have forever to love people the way you know you ought to be loving on them. You don't have forever to do right by people you know that you are not doing right by right now. You don't have forever to demonstrate the love of Christ to people whom God has placed around you. That brings me to point number two. He loved us not only purposefully. He loved them not only purposefully, but he loved them personally. 
Listen to the text again. When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own. Having loved his own. This verse says that when it came to demonstrating love, watch this, Jesus didn't leave out his own. Having loved his own. I'm finna mess with somebody. Having loved his own. So many times we're busy loving on everybody else. We look over our own. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. Busy. Checking on everybody else. You ain't even checked on. But I read somewhere that charity starts. Y'all talk to me in here. Charity starts at home. You, you, you do for everybody else except your own. You make time for everybody else, except your own. You check on everybody else, except your own. You're better to everybody else, except your own. You enjoy everybody's company, except your own. Getting real quiet on this side. You call everybody else, except your own. Know how everybody else is doing. Except your own. And the sad thing is that you've grown comfortable with your reason for why you don't do with your own that which you know love should compel you to do. But if your love is authentic, it must begin with your own. Good God Almighty. Family is oftentimes the place where love is really tested. It's among your own. Where the metal of your love is tried with your own is where your love is authenticated. Among your own is where your love is certified. Developing the capacity to love like Jesus begins by learning how to love your own folk. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me. That irritating in-law, that's yours. They belong to you. They're yours. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that awful aunt, she's yours. That undependable uncle, he's yours. Yeah, that sneaky sibling, he or she is yours. That crooked cousin, that naughty nephew, that annoying niece, that overprotective parent, all of them folk are yours. And you can put any label in front of them you want to, they are still yours. You can come up with any reason why you don't fool with them. They steal yours. Well, they ain't really mine. They're your in-laws. You married into that. They yours. They yours. They yours. They yours. You should have took some time to get to know Talking about I do and you ain't even done your research yet. They yours. Help me somebody. 
And Paul helps us in Romans 12 and 9 when he writes, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. The Amplified translation reads like this. He says, love is to be sincere and active. The real thing without guile and hypocrisy. Let me ask the question. Is your love for your own people sincere? Is your love for your own family real? Now, if you answer by saying yes, I got a follow-up question. Is your love then active? If you say, yeah, I really love them, then Paul says, then where's the proof? Where's the action? Where's the follow-up? Do you actively demonstrate your love to your own or only is it only a sentiment you have that goes unexpressed and unacted upon? Paul says if your love is sincere, it will be active. And if it's sincere and active, then it will be without guile. That is to say, it is not cunning or crafty. You know, because some of what we do in the name of love is really crafty calculation. Not really about loving on the individual as much as it is positioning yourself so that if it ever comes up, you can say, well, I try. <laughs> Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Calculation. To look like we care so that when we ask for something that we want from them, they'll be more likely to give it to us. That ain't love. That's calculation. It's cunning. So we can say that we've done and, and what we have not or they have not done in return for us or to us. And I told you all sometime that when it comes to loving someone, you cannot keep a scorecard. You wrote in your book, you called them last. November 12th. I'm going to see how long it takes for them to call me. Keeping score. I, I, I paid for lunch last time. Let's see if they pick it up. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. I'm helping somebody. If you want to be helped. Listen, Paul says, if you're going to love somebody, don't be crafty, don't be cunning, and don't be calculating with your love. Jesus loved his own for one reason and one reason only. Do you know why? Here it is. He loved them for one reason because, here it is, they were his. He loved his own. They were given to him. They were his responsibility to whom love was to be shown, shared, and demonstrated. He did not love them because they were good or because they were right or because they treated him right. He loved them because they were his to love. And when it was time for Jesus to go back to the Father in heaven, Jesus prays to God in John 17. And look at what he says to the God the Father in verse 12 of John 17. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. He says, I kept them. My question to you is, how are you keeping those he has given to you? Y'all don't like this. How are you keeping those he has given to you? Those who are yours. 
How are you keeping them? I understand we don't choose our family. They are given to us. Yes. But how you keep them is your choice. How are you keeping them? How are you keeping them? I didn't ask you how are they keeping you. How are you keeping? I didn't ask what, if they're doing right by you. How are you doing by them? You can give me 10 reasons right now why you don't do more. I know, and they're all legitimate. No. You got them listed in your mind. They didn't do this. They act funny when they come around. They, they disappoint me. They disrespect my people, my, my property. They do this, that, and the other. You got 10 reasons right now why you don't do what you ought to do for your own. And none of them are good. Because when it's all said and done, what God wants to know is, what have you done with those that I gave you? Watch this. It's a report of your stewardship. You've made stewardship just about what you give to church. Stewardship is about how have you treated that which God has given you. With those God has placed in your life. How have you kept that which God has given you trust to keep? It is in effect Jesus' stewardship that is on display. How did Jesus love them? The text says when supper was finished, y'all know it, he took a towel, girded himself and began to wash their feet. Watch this, y'all. This was a personal act of service. Gary Chapman, y'all, some of y'all have written, read this book. Gary Chapman wrote a book some years ago entitled The Five Love Languages. In that book, Chapman contends that humans express love in five different ways. Number one, words of affirmation. Number two, the giving of gifts. Number three, quality time, spending quality time. Number four, physical touch. And number five, acts of service. Even though Chapman is addressing Eros love or the love between a man and a woman, a husband and a wife, Jesus in agape love uses all five of these love languages to express his love for his own. Can I show it to you? Words of affirmation. Here it goes. One day he looks at Simon and says, Simon, Simon, Satan desires to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He says, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, in other words, Simon, you're going to be better than you are right now. I believe in you. you you're not going to always be like this, but, but you've got a great destiny. You've got a great future. And when God gets through with you, just promise me one thing. Go and help the brothers. Go and strengthen the brethren. Words of affirmation. Building people up. Up when they have fallen down that God is not through with them yet words of affirmation Jesus uses all five of these he, he uses spending quality time with his disciples you remember one time after yeah they had been uh, healing and ministering all day Jesus looks at his disciples and he sees that they are tired and he says to them come on let's go away for a while and get some rest Quality time, just you and I together. We've been having our, our hands spread among the people all this time. Now just you and I, let's get together just you and I. That's quality time, y'all. 
And that expresses love, the giving of gifts. Remember, he said to his disciples when he left, he said, listen, I'm going back to the Father, but I want you to stay here in Jerusalem and wait. Wait for what? Wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit because when he comes, you will be imbued with power. I wish I had some Bible readers in here. And you do know that the Holy Spirit brings gifts with him, don't you? Don't you know that the gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, fruit? Come on and talk to me in this house. Yet yeah, he gives gifts to those whom he loves. There's physical touch. The same hands that touch blinded eyes so that they might see are the same hands that Jesus took to wash the dirty feet of the disciples. He touched them and made them whole. And then lastly, we see acts of service. Understand, my brothers and sisters, that the washing of feet was typically done by those who were designated to do such. But when the designated foot washer wasn't there. Jesus got his own towel. When the one who was supposed to wash feet didn't show up, Jesus said, that's all right, I got a towel, I got some water, and I can do it myself. Wish I had some Christian folk who in here who, who wasn't so caught up in their titles that they didn't get so big that they didn't understand that God still wants you to be a servant. Don't let your title cause you to stop serving folk. Don't let your title cause you to stop bending down and getting down where the people, I wish I had a witness in this house. Listen, if God let you get high, don't get too high that you can't get low. Don't, don't go too big that you can't get small. Don't, don't get to be too much that you can't say, Lord, I surrender all to you. And all that I am and all that I'm not, if it were not for the Lord on my side. Good God Almighty. He washed their feet. Tell your neighbor, he washed their feet. He washed their feet. He washed their feet. Young people, you can say amen too. He washed their feet. Now listen, young folk, if you're trying to show your parents that you love them, you ain't got to wash their feet. But look like y'all could wash the dishes. Y'all ain't going to talk to me in here. You, 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 don't, you don't have to go and try to wash their feet, but, but look like Look like you could wash the car. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. Look like you could wash a load of clothes. Look like you could wash the floor and mop it. Look like, look like you could wash the windows and shine them. Look like you could wash the mirrors and make sure if you want to show your love, you don't have to wash feet, but look like you could do something. Well, they know I love them. No, show them, show them, show them. I'm finna end on him. I'm finna end. Wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up, wrap it up. Here it is, here it is, here it is. He loved them. Here it is. Two quick things. He loved them privately and he loved them without preconditions. He loved them privately and he loved them without preconditions. Here it is. Watch this. His love, I love this. His love was very personal and private. Y'all remember after he finished washing feet, he said, he drops a bombshell. He says, uh, he says, Listen, uh, somebody in this room, around this table, is going to betray me. This was after he had washed their feet. After he had served every last one of them, he said, now two of these feet. <laughs> going to do their own thing. 
wish I had a witness in here. And, but, but here it is, here it is. Look at verse 28, y'all. Look at verse 28. It says, now no man at the table knew for what intent he spake this unto him. Jesus, watch this, he said, it is the man who dips the sop with me when I put it in the cup. And, and, and Jesus looked at Judas, Judas looked at Jesus, and Jesus knew that it was Judas. Judas knew that Jesus knew that it was Judas. Judas knew that it was Jesus, but nobody else. Y'all missed it, y'all missed it, y'all missed it. It was a dialogue between Jesus and Judas in the presence of everybody, but didn't nobody know what was going on except G y'all ain't talking to me. Except Jesus and Judas. And Jesus said to Judas, Judas, what you do, go do it quickly. And everybody thought, it's in the text, they said, they thought he was going to make some groceries because he was a treasurer and he was keeping. Yeah, nobody knew what Jesus was talking about except Jesus. What are you saying? I'm saying this, watch this. Love does not needlessly expose people. When, when folk have messed up or when folk are messing up, or when people have fallen short, if you love them, you don't have to go around and share with everybody else the wrong they've done. Y'all ain't talking to me in here. When they messed up, you don't have to make their business everybody else's news so that they gather around and hear what they did and where they fell and how they messed up. No, my Bible says love covers a multitude of, I wish I had some Bible readers in here. Jesus said, no, I know what you're going to do, Judas, but I'm not going to tell all the other disciples because if I told them, they're going to take care of you. But guess what? What you do, you do it on your own. If you decide that's the way you're going to go, that's the way you're going to go. But I'm going to keep this, watch this, between me and you. Love does not needlessly expose people when they've done wrong. Watch this. Quit telling folks business. If somebody shares something in confidence with you, keep it in confidence and close your mouth. Between you and me, and ain't nobody else got to know. That's what love does. Love says if, if, if it's between you and me, guess what? That's where it's going to stay. Here it is, last thing. I said love is without preconditions. Here it is, love is without preconditions. That means this. That means this. That folk don't have to jump through hoops in order to get you to love them. Quit, quit trying to make folk your circus animal. Jump. Leap. Sit. Be still. Roll over. Quit, quit trying to make folk do stuff in order to feel like they deserve, y'all ain't talking to me. Love that is authentic should be without preconditions. 
Romans 5 and 8, and I'm wrapping it up. Here it is. I'm through. Romans 5 and 8, Paul says this, but God demonstrates his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, love is not given to us just because we were doing right. Because the truth of the matter is, we weren't doing right when he died for us. We were on the wrong side, and yet he died for us. Why? Because he loved us. And we didn't meet any preconditions. Stories told of a teenage boy and teenage girl, boyfriend and girlfriend. They had been dating <coughs> for a little while. The girl asked her boyfriend, she said, do you love me? You know how puppy love is. Do you love me? He said, yeah, you know I love you. And she, she had been in church and she had read this thing about dying. And she said, would you die for me? Boy thought about it. He, he said, well, my love is an undying love. an undying love. <laughs> Jesus' love was an undying love, but not in that way. It was so undying that in fact he did die. It was so unrelenting that he did give himself. He thought you were worth saving. So he died. He, he thought you were worth changing, so he came that he would change your life. He, he, he thought all of this, and so what did he do? He, he loved you without preconditions, and he loved you enough that he allowed them to beat him with the cat of nine tails. He loved you enough that he allowed them to put a rugged cross on his shoulders. He loved you enough that, that he let his hands be given to nails and his feet be given to He loved you enough that he let his side be speared. He loved you enough that he let his head be crowned with a crown of thorns. He loved you enough that he let them lift him high on a cross and die there until his head went into the locks of his shoulders. That's how much he loved you. And the record is no greater love. No man hath in this that a man would lay down his life for a friend. Jesus laid down his life so that our sins would be forgiven. He laid down his life so that we did not have to pay for our sins. He laid down his life so that the guilt and the stain of sin would be removed from us. He laid down his life so that we would have eternal life. And that was not his calculation. That was not the only calculation that in his dying he would give us everlasting life. And when he counted up the cost. He said it's worth it. When he counted it all up and decided, I'm going to have to die, I'm going to have to give my life, I'm going to have to suffer, I'm going to have to bleed, I'm going to have to endure this excruciating pain, I'm going to have to feel like my father in heaven has forsaken me and turned his back on me, I'm going to have to endure all of that. But when he looked at who we were and who we were called to be, Jesus said, you're worth it.
So the songwriter is right, Brother Wright. He thought we were worth saving. So he came and changed our lives. He thought we were worth keeping, so he cleaned us up inside. He thought we were to die for. So he sacrificed his life so we could be free, so we could be whole, so we could tell everybody we know that Jesus Christ loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves all of us. And because he loves us, he says to us, love one another. Love like he loved. Unrelenting love. Love like he loved. Without preconditions. Love like he loved personally and purposefully. Love like he loved. Intentionally. Love like he loved. Until the end. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine on you. Be gracious unto you give you his peace let us pray eternal God our father we thank you today for your love thank you that for whatever reason you counted us worthy worthy for you to die for us you thought enough of us wrong as we are sinful as we are messed up as we are you thought enough of us that you would give your life how selfish then it is of us to withhold our love from our own God change our hearts change our minds about our ways and how we have demonstrated love for our own and to our own Oh God, we pray that you would give us a patient love that allows people to transform and change. And Lord, even if they don't change as quickly as we hope that they would, that Lord, we would still just love them anyhow. <laughs> thank you, God. Now, God, I thank you that you've given your love to us. And I pray, God, that some here right now will experience and will accept this love by accepting you as Lord and Savior of their lives. Listen to me. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you enough that he does not want to see you be damned. He does not want to see you go to hell. He does not want to see your life in tragically and snuffed away from you before time. God loves you. And he came that you might have life and that more abundantly. If you're here this morning and you don't know this God through Jesus Christ, this Jesus who loved his own and loved his disciples and who now loves you, I want to invite you to come right now. Get to know him. Let us, in, let us introduce you to him. All it takes is a quick prayer. All it takes is a confession of the heart, belief of the heart, confession of the mouth. 
and you will be saved. If you're here this morning, I invite you to get to know him. Won't you come? The doors of the church are open. Come right now. Meet us down here. The doors of the church are open. He thought enough of you. Hallelujah. He thought. The doors of the church are open. Come now. Hallelujah. So you sacrificed your so I, so I could be free. So I, so I could be all. Yeah. So I could tell If you've already given your life to Christ, but you don't have a church home, you come. Oh, yeah. But you, so you came and changed my life. You thought I, you thought I was worth keeping. So you cleaned me up. So you cleaned me up. This morning we focus our attention on this table, this table that symbolizes in many ways that which the disciples gathered around when Jesus washed their feet. It was a place of unity, it was a place of communion, it was a place where they became one. Let us pray this morning that that unity between the Father and the Son, the unity between the Son and his disciples would be the unity that we experience and express here in this fellowship.
Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, how thankful we are for this time, for this gathering, and now for this supper. We do this in your remembrance because you said, do it in remembrance of me. And God, we do remember. Remember what you did on Calvary's cross. We remember the blood that was shed. We remember your body as it was beaten and bruised. We remember you saying that no one is taking your life, but you are willingly laying it down. And Lord, more than anything, we remember that because you laid it down, you have the authority to lift it up again. And so we glory in the resurrection of our Savior. Now, God, as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, oh God, shine the light from heaven upon our souls. If you find any hypocrisy, if you find any cunning or craftiness, if you find anything lust or pridefulness, anything that should not be, take it out. Remove it from us. Change our personality and our persona and make us more like your son. Thank you in Jesus' name. For his sake we pray. Amen and amen. someone with a gluten sensitivity we do have gluten-free wafers here if you will identify yourself Deacon Gentry will make that available to you we don't want anyone to go without uh, communing with us and don't let that be an impediment to your doing so if you'll identify yourself Deacon Gentry will serve you let us drink wine together
praise God together. together.
because you know I'm going to omit it. And he took bread, break it, and blessed it, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Likewise, he took the cup and blessed it, saying, This is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for the remission of sin. As often as we do this, we do show forth his death and suffering until he comes again. Let us drink together. When they finished, they sang a hymn and went out into the Mount of Olives. of God and the sweet communion of his Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with each of you now, henceforth, and forevermore. In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. God bless you. Go in peace.